Blog Talk Radio. <clears throat> Happy Friday, everybody. Uh, Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. It is June the 30th, 2017, the 4th of July weekend. Uh, Just sitting there staring us in the face. Let the good times roll. I hope all of you are well, had a great week, and are looking forward to a great celebration, celebrating America's independence. Of course, with independence, you uh, think about sovereignty, secure borders, immigration laws, the ability of a country to determine its destiny, to determine what foreign nationals may or may not enter onto its land, not unlike a responsible homeowner or apartment dweller who carefully looks through the people before admitting strangers into their homes. Not about xenophobia, not about being antisocial, simply about being prudent, especially in this very dangerous era. I thank you for joining me. It's always good to catch up with you at the end of the week. Um, So let's begin. First of all, if you're new to my program, I welcome you. I'm a retired senior special agent with what used to be the Immigration and Naturalization Service. Today, that agency is part of the Department of Homeland Security, although for many years I came to refer to that as the Department of Homeland Surrender. I was an inspector. I was an adjudications officer for a year. And spent 26 years as a special agent, rotated through all the squads within the investigations branch. I was assigned to the Unified Intelligence Division of DEA and then became a senior special agent with the Organized Crime Drug Enforcement Task Force. And the reason I tell you about my background is because I want you to understand why I have this program and what I hope you, the listeners, can get out of it. The mainstream media absolutely, abjectly refuses to be honest about so many issues. In my judgment, immigration leading the hit parade because immigration is the key issue. It's not a key issue because it was my life's work. It's a key issue because it impacts virtually every other challenge and threat that America and Americans face today. You cannot defend a country without a secure border. You cannot defend a country when criminals, terrorists, spies, and enemy combatants have easy access to your country, to your resources, to critical infrastructure, and most importantly, to the American people. The immigration laws have nothing to do with race, religion, ethnicity. If they did, I could never have enforced those laws for 30 seconds, let alone for 30 years. It's about keeping out aliens, that is to say foreign nationals, who are who do pose a threat to our safety, well-being, and so forth. It's about aliens with dangerous communicable diseases, aliens who are criminals, spies, terrorists, human rights violators, fugitives from justice, and then ultimately we get to aliens who would likely become a public charge, or aliens who, if they worked, would displace Americans. And in a day and age where Americans are struggling to keep their heads above water, in an era where the middle class is getting hammered into oblivion, in an era in which the national debt is skyrocketing, 
you need to understand that the presence of tens of millions of foreign workers, both legal and illegal, in the United States, I'm not talking about green card holders now. I'm talking about illegal aliens and aliens with temporary work visas. Those folks in the aggregate send out hundreds of billions, at least $200 billion a year in remittances, money wired back to their home country. That is money that is lost to the U.S. economy, money that is not recirculated or invested in the U.S. economy. And when you look at the multiplier effect and dealing with that issue of the money being sucked out of the economy, it has the impact of America losing over a half trillion dollars a year. Coincidentally, that is approximately the rate of growth annually of America's national debt. The bottom line, if we didn't have any foreign workers in the United States, the national debt would stop growing. And that's without taking into account the expenses that we incur by losing uh, middle-class working Americans who are consumers, who are homeowners, who are taxpayers. When you pull the rug out from under them, when you take hardworking middle-class Americans and turn them into people living below the poverty line, the damage economically is inestimable, and the damage to their lives, to their families, to their aspirations, and to the aspirations of their children and their children's children, truly, that impact is inestimable. The program is about to try to wake people up to the fact that, yes, we are indeed a country of immigrants, that, no, we are not a country of trespassers. There's been a lot of developments this past week that I want to get into, but I want you to understand that taking a position that is pro-enforcement, where our nation's immigration laws are concerned and where America's sovereign borders are concerned, is most definitely not an anti-immigrant position, but is most certainly a pro-enforcement position. But that use of language, anti-immigrant, has been carefully crafted by the open borders immigration anarchists, the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, banks, Wall Street, corporate America, also the tools of the left. See, this is the perfect storm. Perfect, not in terms of how wonderful, but perfect in terms of how devastating. Both sides of the political spectrum chomping at the bit to dismantle America's borders. So when people say to me, oh, it's the left, they're the evil ones, or it's the right. No, folks, it's the globalists. This has been going on at least since Jimmy Carter, if not sooner. I know many conservatives love Ronald Reagan. I have real issues with what Reagan did to us. The first amnesty, hiring no additional agents and including a confidentiality clause so that as an immigration agent, I could not share the information contained in an amnesty file with any other law enforcement agency. And then they ultimately weakened that demand and said, well, if you get a court order, but absent the court order, some FBI agents came to me back when I was an agent and said, Mike, we've got a guy with a nuclear weapon driving through midtown Manhattan. Do you have a photo of him? Do you have his home address? If the only place where I had that photo or that address or whatever the other critical information was, if it only appeared in that person's uh, amnesty file and I provided that to the FBI, I could have been prosecuted and the penalty was five years in a federal penitentiary immediate loss of my job, my pension, 
everything goes out the window. Now, if the person was here legally, you have to turn the file over, obviously. If the person was a naturalized citizen, that had to be turned over, obviously. That person was an illegal alien. The Reagan administration took extraordinary pains to make certain that we would shield that illegal alien and whatever fraud they may have committed in that application from detection, even by other law enforcement agencies under any circumstances. Both sides of the aisle bear responsibility. It was George W. Bush and Michael Chertoff who decided by executive caveat, executive order, to include illegal aliens in the privacy laws. The Privacy Act came about because of excesses by the intelligence agencies during the 70s, and so Americans were shielded from having their personal information disclosed in public. And the law said that that only applied to United States citizens and aliens who had been lawfully admitted for permanent residence. What does that mean? Aliens who had green cards, period. If you were here legally as a student, if you were here legally on a business visa, didn't matter. You were not protected by the Privacy Act. Along comes George W. Bush and says, no, 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 no. Illegal aliens are now protected the same way citizens are. Each administration, and if you want to talk about Barack Obama, I personally would rather not. I plan to have dinner after this program. The damage that his administration did to us will weaken us, cost American lives and American jobs for decades to come. The gift that keeps on giving. Both parties, let's be blunt. Let's understand the nature of the politics of this. Let's be smart enough to see through the lies by both parties, the Democrats and the repugnant hands. They've done this to us, and we now have the first president in decades who, rather than being a globalist, is a populist. And I don't agree with everything that Donald Trump says. Sometimes, frankly, he leaves me scratching my head. But he is the first occupant of the Oval Office in decades who I truly believe wants to put America and Americans first. And that is what has everybody revved up in Washington. He has halted their personal and private and lucrative gravy train. Imagine that. I want to talk quickly about some websites I very much want you to go visit. My own personal website, obviously, my favorite. I uh, hope it becomes your favorite, michaelcutler.net, C-U-T-L-E-R, one word, michaelcutler.net. I also write for CAPSWeb.org, Californians for Population Stabilization. I am thrilled to be a columnist for FrontPageMag.com, Front Page Magazine, of course, sponsored by the terrific David Horowitz Freedom Center. I have just begun blogging for Newsmax, and I do a bunch of their TV shows. I was on yesterday. I was on again today. Today, in fact, with J.D. Hayworth, former member of Congress from the great state of Arizona, and in fact, I first met J.D. about six or seven weeks after 9-11 when I was called to testify by the, before the House Immigration Reform Caucus. I did so without authority and found myself without a job the next day. Um, they claimed it was my injured leg. Uh, timing is everything, folks. But it worked out. It worked out just fine. But it was about taking a position. And when my country is attacked, when my fellow Americans lost their lives along with other innocent people from other countries, uh, I was compelled to stand up. Uh, I was raised by two of the most amazing people in the world. I fortunately lost them to cancer when I was in college. 
right after 9-11 when I had to make the decision as to whether I would go and testify without the blessings of the INS. I could hear my dad's words in my head, and I remembered when he told me that it was easy to spot a real man. He told me that the real man is the guy that stands up when it counts. So uh, with that kind of upbringing and that kind of orientation, you know why I made that fateful decision, and I would do it again twice if I had to do it over again. It was the right thing to do. I just wish that more people would be willing to come forward and tell the truth. Law enforcement uh, executives who talk about how sanctuary cities help them. That's the biggest lie I've heard in a very long time. Ladies and gentlemen, if you are a law enforcement executive, you should know better. That is not the truth, and you need to tell the truth. You took an oath to uphold the Constitution. You took an oath to protect the people of the jurisdictions that you serve. Illegal aliens, people who enter the United States without inspection, who enter surreptitiously, pose a threat to our safety and well-being and national security. Aliens who commit visa fraud and disappear after entry, a tactic used by most of the terrorists to our national security. And the idea that any city would, in essence, commit a felony because as an individual, Anybody who harbors, shields, aids, abets, encourages, or induces aliens to enter the United States illegally or remain here thereafter without authority goes to jail. I know there's a state's rights issue here, folks, but we are in the middle of a war on terror. We are in the middle of a gang crisis. In fact, we're going to talk a little bit about two hearings that were held by the House and Senate about MS-13. And I began investigating MS-13 25 years ago. And just the starters. The most likely victim of the violence of MS-13 are members of the ethnic Latino immigrant communities. So please understand, shielding illegal aliens from detection does nobody any favors except terrorists, drug dealers, human traffickers, and people who want to exploit illegal aliens. Anybody who is seriously concerned about the plight of illegal aliens should be convincing them that if they have information, criminals or terrorists, or if they fall victim to crime, they need to contact law enforcement, they need to work with law enforcement authorities, and efforts need to be made by locals to work with ICE to perhaps provide visas to those aliens who come forward. One of the biggest incentives that I had when I worked on the drug task force, my friends at the FBI and DEA and ATF and local and state police, frequently came to me and said, Mike, as an immigration agent, can you help me get a visa for an informant? And they all agreed that those visas, that that permission to remain here and work here was one of the most powerful incentives that we could provide illegal aliens to have them provide actionable intelligence to law enforcement so we could go after the drug dealers, go after the human traffickers, go after the criminals, who were killing and attacking people in those communities. And by the way, not just the Latino community. This is not about Latinos. In fact, uh, my recent appearance with Bill Tucker, an old friend from CNN days when he was a reporter for Lou Dobbs Tonight, uh, he now is an anchor over at Newsmax. I I join him on the air. Uh, It seems like almost once a week, and I love doing it. Bill has become a friend. And so the segment that I did with Bill yesterday has been posted on the Newsmax website and on my website, will be, uh, ex-INS agent 
Latinos actually want tighter immigration enforcement. That's the point. This is not about um, Latinos or, or any other group. It's about aliens. I've arrested criminals from the four corners of the planet, from Europe, from Asia, from the Caribbean, from the Middle East. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. This is about foreign nationals who, for one reason or another, come to the United States, supply their trades, and now we're talking about the trades being crime. This is common sense. Absolutely common sense. But um, And by the way, when we talk about the gangs, there's a quote that I, I just have to give you. A couple of years ago, I testified before the Senate Judiciary Committee. I was invited to testify by, by a tremendous senator, uh, one of my favorites in the U.S. Senate, uh, Senator Sessions, certainly one of my favorites, but he's now Attorney General, and, and, and shoulder to shoulder with Jeff Sessions is a gentleman by the name of Charles Grassley, Chuck Grassley. In fact, I sat next to him during the field hearing held by the House Judiciary Committee in Dubuque, Iowa, more than a decade ago at the behest of Jim Sensenbrenner, another good guy. But Chuck Grassley, um, in holding that hearing on MS-13, said in part the following in his prepared remarks. And I want you to pay attention to what Senator Grassley had to say. This organization, referring to MS-13, this organization has been dubbed the world's, quote, most dangerous gang, unquote. And some say it could be a terrorist organization, but you would not expect anything less from a group whose motto is kill, rape, and control. And then he goes on and says, unfortunately, over the past two years, this terrifying motto has become a vicious reality for many communities across our nation. So far this year, the gang has been publicly linked to dozens of high-profile killings rapes and assaults across the country from from the Washington, D.C. metro area to Houston, Texas. Undoubtedly, there are many more that simply have not been reported. That's what we're dealing with. And why two years? Well, there's an interesting story there, and I started out talking about Mr. Barack Obama. Many of those members of MS-13 came across our southern border during that surge of unaccompanied minors. Think about that. We expedited the entry of murderers, criminals, drug dealers. What are we talking about? MS-13. And who's paid the price? Children. In fact, uh, during the hearing, it was reported, I forget if it was the House or Senate hearing, believe it or not, this is tough to, to comprehend, they have begun recruiting Children in publics as young as eight years of age. This is a self-inflicted wound. Thank you for your gift, Mr. Obama. He did it. Nobody else did it. We've never seen that before. I hope to God we never see it again. Barack Hussein Obama saw fit to invite into America thousands of violent, pernicious, sociopathic gang members. And then we hear the lies that if you want to enforce the immigration laws, you're anti-immigrant. Tell that to the parents of children who have been bludgeoned to death, who have been beaten to death, who have been stabbed to death, who have been raped, who are being intimidated on a daily basis. What a wonderful display of compassion on our part 
throwing open our doors so this can play out in Latino communities across America, most notably on Long Island, where I began investigating those thugs about 25 years ago. And yet, if you listen to the mainstream media, anybody who wants to enforce the immigration laws is anti-immigrant. Not not pro-enforcement, anti-immigrant. And anybody who wants wide open borders and the mayhem that's resulting is pro-immigrant. Tell that to the immigrants living in a state of terror on a daily basis, scared to death that when children go to school, they may never see them again. That reality has played out far too many damn times. But yet when President Trump says we're going to enforce the law, there's riots. We as a nation, how foolish are we as a nation? I'm not here because I, I have any affinity for Donald Trump. I am an American. I have affinity for our Constitution. I have an affinity for our fellow Americans. Born into this world with no voice as to whether or not we're born, whether we're born men or women, uh, what religion, what color, we have no control. Everybody should be treated equally and fairly, and then we ourselves determine what becomes of us by how we die. Human beings, but when children provided no option but to either join MS-13 and join that murderous rampage in these communities, or face violence, and we have expedited this. And when you have a president and an attorney general who says we're coming for you if you're a gang member, and people are angry, people are angry, and you have members of Congress that say that sanctuary cities are important for law enforcement. I just did an interview for a reporter um, over at LifeSet. I've written some articles for LifeSet as well. And uh, Brendan interviewed me this afternoon asking me about sanctuary cities. So let me tell you what I As an immigration agent, as I started out saying before, I was called upon by other law enforcement personnel that I worked with, ranging from the FBI, DEA, ATF, local and state police, doesn't matter, to help them cultivate informants in ethnic immigrant communities using my authority as an immigration agent. Alien cooperates, and we can provide that alien with lawful status, with authorization to work. And when they really hit home runs, we can get them green cards and facilitate having their families come here. Can you imagine a stronger incentive? This idea that we're going to hide the illegals in our communities means you're also going to be hiding the criminals and the terrorists and the gang members. Why in the world did you do that? By working with immigration authorities, by going after the human traffickers, by going after the criminals, you know, and the lie persists. Oh, in routine matters, law enforcement doesn't want to know about immigration. So let me tell you about a little trick we used to use. I participated in raids with the public moral squad. Public morals generally went after the Chinese gambling houses in Chinatown, and they went after the brothels, the houses of prostitution, whether it was Chinatown, whether it was the Russian mob. It didn't matter. Because, you know, folks, let's, let's get over this nonsense about Latino voters. Human beings are human beings are human beings. Every race, every religion, every ethnicity has the good, the bad, and the ugly. You can point to somebody from any ethnic group and say that person is a wonderful human being, and you can point to someone else in that very same group, again, race, religion, it doesn't matter, and you can say that person is the scourge of the earth. 
What's going on? It's called human nature. People are people are people. It's not because someone is a Latino. If you believe that Latinos are inherently different from other Americans, you are a bigoted SOB. You are a fool and you're a racist. Just because someone's last name is Rodriguez, don't tell me that this, that, that guy wants open borders and gang members uh, in school with his children or her children. But that's what they're saying. And they get away with it because no one ever pushes back. You know, this country was built on the concept of e pluribus unum, out of many, one. We get together as Americans. And if you look at the nonsense on college campuses, and then if you look at the nonsense that went on with the gay pride, now they just call it the pride parade. So in Chicago, Jews were told, don't you dare show a Jewish flag. Oh, no. Inclusive? How inclusive is that? How inclusive is that? See, all of these splinter groups, and it's not enough whether we're talking about gays or lesbians, then it's cross this one. And, 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 and again, let's see how many more subdivisions we can create. And why do you want to create subdivisions? Well, it's very easy. I guess some of these idiots read Abe Lincoln who said a house divided against itself cannot stand. So let's really divide America up into 500 balkanized factions so we can go after each other's throats. Instead of saying we're all Americans, and as Americans, we want the military to keep our enemies as far from our shores as possible. As Americans, we don't want North Korea to get nuclear weapons and intercontinental ballistic missiles. As Americans, we don't want drugs being sold on our street corner or in our schools. As Americans, we want to know that Americans no matter the race, religion, or ethnicity, or gender, get first crack at the jobs and education and health care. As Americans, that's what unites us. The flag unites us. So when you see college campuses saying, well, let's take down the flag, listen, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but there's more to it than the flag. And if anyone thinks that this country is such a terrible place that you, cut, you can put America up against any other country on the planet, and we've certainly made our share of mistakes, just like every person I know has made their share of mistakes. But I'll put America's record up against any other country. When there's a crisis anywhere in the world, who shows up? Americans do. Who helps people after the catastrophes? Americans do. And then we're vilified for being there. It's a no-win situation, and we're dumb enough to buy into this BS it has to end. America celebrates its birthday this weekend. We're celebrating the creation of the most amazing country in history. I believe in American exceptionalism. It's Americans who broke the sound barrier, Americans who built the Panama Canal, Americans who sent spacecraft repeatedly out past the orbit of Pluto. It's Americans who repeatedly went to the moon and came back safely. What other countries achieved any of those? And the list goes on and on and on. Understand that that's what America is. And you have politicians talking about American exceptionalism in one breath and in the next breath telling you, but we've got to bring in the world's best and brightest so America can lead. People like Ted Cruz. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you what. If you truly believe in American exceptionalism, we have a name for the world's best and brightest. We call them Americans. That's what we call them. 
So when I look at this divide and conquer strategy, when I look at all the lies that are being told, uh, I have to tell you, I bristle at it. I'm enraged by it. The president of the United States, Donald Trump, has the authority under our immigration laws to determine what aliens get admitted and what aliens don't get admitted into the United States. So when he came up with his ruling, it was immediately referred to as a travel ban. No one is being banned from traveling. Every news station, including a particular conservative television program, keeps referring to the ban involving people who come from Muslim-majority countries. That's not what this is about. The lies that they tell because of a globalist agenda see through the lies. If you can't trust the messenger, boys and girls, then you can't trust the message. First of all, it's not a travel ban. It's a restriction on the admission into our country of foreign nationals. We're not stopping them from traveling. Just don't travel here. Travel ban. Muslim-majority countries. I don't remember the specific statistic, but I believe that the countries on the list account for about 15% of the world's Muslim population. If President Trump is trying to keep Muslims out of the United States, to put it bluntly, he's doing a piss-poor job. That's not what this is about. The countries on the list are associated with terrorism. The countries on the list have demonstrated an inability or an unwillingness to provide us with reliable identity information so we can adequately screen people who come to our country from parts of the world where terrorism is a huge problem. How many more terrorist attacks do we need to see around the world and within our own borders until we get the point of the message here? Does the president have the right? The Supreme Court said so, but they imposed a little caveat. Except for aliens with a bona fide relationship. I'm going to give you my thoughts about that in a moment. But before we talk about that term bona fide, I want to read to you what the law says, because this is a law enforcement operation. Title Eight, United States Code, Section 1182. And you can read about this on my website or in my articles, michaelcutler.net. 1182 gives a list of aliens who are to be excluded from the United States and the reasons. And it goes back to what I said at the beginning of my show today. Aliens are dangerous communicable diseases. Let's remember Ellis Island was a quarantine station. You know, that seems to get lost in the conversation. Aliens who are severely mentally ill, again, going back to this notion of a quarantine station. Criminals, terrorists gang members, human rights violators, you know, like the Nazis, for example, good example of what we were doing back then. Most of them have croaked by now. Um, but that's what it's about. So what's the statutory authority that the president has? Well, let me read this to you. Page United States Section 1182 in Section F deals with this very issue. So it doesn't only tell you which aliens are to be kept out. And again, this has nothing to do with race, religion, or ethnicity. It's about risks to our safety and well-being. But Title F, suspension of entry or imposition of restrictions by the president. That section of law, does it say travel ban? Of course not. Then why is it that every damn station calls it a travel ban? It's not a travel ban. But they wouldn't know the truth if it bit them on their nose or some other 
sensitive spot of their anatomy. Okay, and here's what it says. Whenever the president finds that the entry of any aliens or of any class of aliens into the United States would be detrimental to the interests of the United States, he may by proclamation, period, as he shall deem necessary, suspend the entry of all aliens or any class of aliens as immigrants or non-immigrants or impose on the entry of aliens any restrictions he may deem to be appropriate. Doesn't say the president in consulting with God knows who, the Chamber of Commerce, perhaps, idiot judges, perhaps. No, the president, remember, is the commander in chief. And if the commander in chief is unable to keep the enemy out of the United States, how does he protect us? Because that is his number one job, safety first. That's all that the law says. And what's the standard? What's the justification? It doesn't say that the person has to have a 10 megaton nuclear bomb in the back of his truck. It simply says, whenever the president finds that the entry of any aliens or of any class of aliens into the United States would be detrimental to the interests of the United States. Could there be a more vague term imaginable? Detrimental to the interests. That's the standard. And it doesn't say upon review does not say with the concurrence of the president by himself or one day I suspect herself can simply say you're not getting in period so when you have these judges saying well this is because of what he said during the campaign folks this is madness Barack Obama invoked that section of law. Jimmy Carter, after our embassy was overrun, invoked that law against Iran is on that list today as well. So what in the world is the rioting about? What is all this nonsense about? And then if you remember when the president imposed this, they said, my God, there were people in the air and he pulled it out from under them. They were in the air. They had visas and they were coming here and they wouldn't let them in. And it caused chaos at the airports. And they sent lawyers to the airports. The last thing I ever want to see is a lawyer. I've seen enough lawyers in my day. Let me tell you something. And now I'm speaking as an immigration agent and as a former immigration inspector. Aliens entering the airport are inspected. You know why they're inspected, folks? So that an immigration inspector, now it's called Customs and Border Protection Inspector, can look at the evidence, the passport, the statements made by the alien, and that inspector has the authority to admit aliens into the United States, or to deny that alien entry, and then the alien's recourse, unless they come under visa waiver, is to to have a hearing before an immigration judge who then makes a decision. Do you know how many aliens in 2013 were turned around at ports of entry and denied entry? Now, this includes land ports, land border, seaport, international airports. They had a cow when the president said, We're not letting these people in. They're in the air. Too bad. We're sending them home. And everybody went nuts. Guess how many in 2013, when Barack Obama was sitting in the Oval Office, how many aliens, folks, do you think were denied entry at ports of entry? I I feel like I want to play some quiz show music in the background while I have you think about this. Put on your seatbelt. You're not going to believe it. According to the Congressional Research Service, CRS, 
which, by the way, is an official arm of the United States Congress. They do the research for members of Congress when they're looking at legislation and so forth. In 2013, it was estimated by the Congressional Research Service that more than, are you ready? 200,000, more than 200,000 aliens were denied entry into the United States at ports of entry, 200,000. We had a couple of dozen turned around and look at the rioting because of the liars in the media, because of the liars in politics, because of the United States Chamber of Commerce, because of the American Immigration Lawyers Association, because of the American Civil Liberties Union. Look at the rioting. Look at the crazy stuff that went on. Under Obama's administration in 2013, in what, just one year, the Congressional Research Service said, that more than 200,000 aliens, for one reason or another, were denied entry into the United States. And many of them had flown into an international airport with a passport and with a visa, and they were, said, they were told, no, no, no go, do not go further, Charlie, you're going home. Where were the riots? Where was the screams and the howls from the media? Do you see the lies? Do you see where these folks don't know the truth or know the truth and are willfully engaged in propaganda? Aliens have no inherent right to enter the United States. Period. Get over it. That's the law. That's the law for every country. American citizens under no circumstances may be denied entry. That's also the law. When I was an immigration inspector, I was taught at the academy, I went to Border Patrol Academy, which is where all enforcement personnel went when we hired on with the old INS. They said, here's how it works. You're sitting in that booth at the airport. Somebody walks into that booth, you presume the person's an alien. When you become convinced that the person is a citizen, the inspection stops, period. There's no wavering, no equivocation, no what ifs. Once you, as the inspector, are satisfied that the person standing in front of you is a citizen, the inspection stops. It then becomes an examination. It may sound like semantics, but there's a reason. The examination is just to make certain that the documents are in order. But the inspection only involves aliens because aliens can be denied entry. Citizens under no circumstances whatever can be denied entry. Now, you can hold an American for arrest by another agency, which I did many times. Some guy returns home. There's an outstanding warrant. The guy's a murder suspect. He's a suspect in, in, in the drug trafficking deal. Um, he's involved with espionage, and the FBI has a hold on him. That's fine. You know, you hold on to that person until the, the FBI or the local police or DEA or whoever it is can come down and take custody. But you cannot turn that person around. Aliens, on the other hand, have no such guarantee. And in 2013, when Barack Obama sat in the Oval Office, over 200,000 aliens were denied entry into the United States. But this is how the lies are being propagated by the mainstream media. They are no longer news organizations. They are not trustworthy. Democracy depends on an informed electorate. These so-called journalists are not only not living up to the lofty 
um, requirements of their profession, they are undermining our democracy. They've made a mockery of the First Amendment. You know, and just think about this. When the rebels take control of the country, the first thing they attack after they shut down the airport so that no one can come in from behind and, and take them out, they close down news, uh, newspapers, radio, and television stations. They need to control the flow of information. Because if you can't control the flow of information, you can't control the masses. You, draw, you come to your own conclusions. You know, my degree was in communications, arts, and sciences. I had thought of becoming a journalist or an instructor on the college level. And then the opportunity to become a federal, federal agent uh, popped up, and I knew what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. But journalists and federal agents are similar in that we're supposed to be fact finders. Well, show me the facts. Show me the facts. Where in that section of law do you hear the word travel ban? Where in, that, in, in, in the president's statement do you see information that this is about Muslims? It's lie after lie, and no one's telling the truth. That's why I'm thrilled that I do have opportunities to go on terrific news programs like One American News Network, like Newsmax. And, and, and I love being on the Dana show, Dana Loesch over at Blaze TV. And another trick that you don't know about, and I'll tell you about it, is all the other networks conduct pre-interviews. If you came on the show this evening, Mr. Cutler, what do you think you'd want to say? And I got to tell you, they don't like what you think you're going to want to say. You're not getting on the show. Then they say to you, oh, you know, we're going in a different direction today. But thank you so much for talking to me. Boom, you're gone. Now, the audience never gets to know this. They don't know that Mike Cutler was interviewed in advance. And I said, well, you're undermining, the, you know, when Obama was there, I said he's undermining national security. Oh, my God, we can't say that. Okay, great. Newsmax doesn't do that. One American News does not do that. I'm not getting paid by them. But as an American, as a father, as a grandparent, I'm very much concerned about my country's future, about my children's future and their children's future. Americans need to know what the hell is going on. And you're certainly not being told what's going on when these news outlets lie through their teeth on a constant basis. They wouldn't know the truth. They lack the balls to give you the truth. That's why I have this program. I am determined that I do everything humanly possible to provide you with the information you're not going to get anyplace else. That's the point. And that's why if you find my program helpful, please tell as many of your friends about my program. Tell them about my website. Tell them about my articles. I'm working really hard at this, having lived through 9-11. Uh, I can't tell you. I, I don't think anyone who was in New York on 9-11 is the same. I'm sure the same could be said um, for the folks at the Pentagon and the people that saw that plane come down in Pennsylvania. This was an attack on our soil. It was an act of war. We are in the middle of a war. And the news media refuses to tell the truth. This is such a dangerous set of circumstances that it leaves my head spinning. This is not the America that I grew up in as a kid, where we trusted the journalists. There are very few people who call themselves journalists that I respect or trust. They brought that on themselves. How many times can you be lied to and say, oh, well, maybe he made a mistake. Maybe she made a mistake. Maybe she was just kidding. These are serious facts. These are serious times. And we need serious journalists and serious politicians. 
You know, there was a um, I, I, I've written about this for Front Page magazine, and I and I am compelled once again to talk about HR 60, the Enlist Act. We had a couple of individuals who were arrested and charged with terrorism, and I wrote about this. In fact, my my Caps Web article, if I can bring this up, um, I, I, I mentioned these two guys. Because if you're winding up giving terrorists access to military bases, uh, then you've got a severe problem. Um, I had written an article about two alleged Hezbollah jihadists arrested in the U.S. for front page magazine. And I also have another article up there. By the way, when you go to these magazine articles, if you like them, please post them on social media, Facebook and that sort of thing. One of these guys actually became a United States citizen at the behest of his handlers at Hezbollah. He said to him, you know, we need you to get that U.S. passport so you can travel around the world and you can carry out attacks. And and so then, if you think that's bad, let me tell you, there was a news release from the Justice Department uh, June 29th. Here's the headline. Ohio man pleads guilty to providing material support to terrorists. Here's how it begins. This is by the Justice Department, by the way. Court records unsealed today reveal that Abdurrahman Sheikh Mohammed, 25, of Columbus, Ohio, pleaded guilty to all counts alleged against him regarding a terrorist plot. The federal grand jury charged Mohammed in April 2015 with one count of attempting to provide and providing material support to terrorists, one count of attempting to provide and providing material support to a designated foreign terrorist organization, namely Al-Nusra Front, and one count of making false statements to the FBI involving international terrorism in an indictment returned in Columbus. Mohammed pleaded guilty before U.S. Magistrate Judge Elizabeth Preston Devers on August 14, 2015, and the plea was sealed because of an ongoing investigation. One of the things that this guy said, he was a naturalized American citizen, born in Somalia, came here at the age of two, and one of the things that he said he had wanted to do when he came back here, what he was told to do, think about this, was to kidnap American soldiers and kill them. We weren't aware that this guy was involved with al-Nusra, even though he was. We naturalized him. He apparently committed naturalization fraud. I hope that someone goes back and looks at that and, and charges him with naturalization fraud. And here's the critical issue as to why. It's not only that it would carry a 25-year penalty, which is the most serious penalty of all the crimes he committed. It also would mean that if found guilty of lying on his application for citizenship, and I'm sure he did, because they ask, are you part of a terrorist organization? Have you supported it? Well, clearly he did. So clearly he lied. Slam dunk. Thank you. It's over because he pleaded guilty to, to all the charges. So obviously he, he lied. And that's a 25-year crime when that lie is committed on a naturalization application in furtherance of terrorism. This would mean that he could then be stripped of his citizenship and deported. Otherwise, we're stuck with him forever. Why in the world would you want a terrorist bum, this piece of garbage, to be floating around the United States when he already told the FBI that his goal was to kidnap soldiers? Now imagine if someone like that got access to a military base under the Enlist Act. We're better to kidnap soldiers and kill them than on a military base. Please understand the craziness that is going on. There are over 200 members in the House of Representatives who are co-sponsoring H.R. 60. I guarantee you many of them are clueless. 
They're listening to their 28-year-old staffers who thought, well, that sounds pretty cool. It's not pretty cool. It's not pretty cool. In fact, when Dave Bratt ran against Eric Cantor, I said to Dave Bratt, I said, Dave, Eric Cantor is supporting the Enlist Act. This was back in 2014. I said, this is crazy. You need to call him out. He did, and something unbelievable happened. Even though Cantor was the leader in the, in the House, Bratt unseated him in the primary over H.R. 60, or the equivalent. I don't know what the bill was then, but it was the Enlist Act. It was essentially the same bill. And as I said in my article for Caps Web, recycling trash is good for the environment. Recycling trash legislation is dangerous to national security. Everyone that hears this program, I have a request. Articles that I've written. I've written about this for Newsmax, for Caps Web, for Front Page. Take those articles, copy them, and please send them to your elected representative. Call them up. There will be no way to unring this bell. This is one of the most dangerous pieces of legislation I've ever heard of. It would also provide access to the gangs. And right now we've got a huge problem with gangs in the military. They come back with the training. They come back from combat. And they are then out there. Um, It's a nightmare. So between the insider attacks, and, and again, I know I read this last week. I have to read it again. April 22nd, 2017, the New York Times article reported, quote, a shortage of coffins after Taliban slaughter unarmed soldiers. June 17th, this year, CBS reported at least seven U.S. soldiers wounded after Afghan soldier opens fire. Then, uh, and, and so uh, please understand this. This is what the terrorists want to do. They're being sent back to the United States, especially now that our soldiers under great leadership have been successful in, in going after ISIS and, and the so-called caliphate. They're taking these people, they're shipping them back to their home countries and telling them, kill where you are. And they want to get into military bases to carry out insider attacks. This is as insane as it gets. I truly believe that if you reach out to your elected representative, and by the way, call up the other ones also, And if they ask you whether or not you're a constituent, some of them do that. A lot of them don't, and they're good guys. But some of them will say, oh, well, you live in the district. I live in America. And the congressman's position on this bill threatens national security. So in a manner of speaking, I just became his constituent or her constituent. But I'm really serious. Before this bill sees the light of day and and, then they start continuing the process, nip it in the bud. This is not anti-immigrant. And I know that there are people that have served in the military and they were foreign nationals and they served loyally. Some may have been grievously wounded. Some may have given their lives. I'm not trying to besmirch what they did for America. Not in the least. I have nothing but admiration for people who are willing to put their their lives on the line for this great country. But the notion of taking thousands, perhaps hundreds of thousands of illegal aliens who snuck into the country for one reason or another, who may have lied on their applications. And remember, the 9-11 Commission warned about immigration fraud, people lying on their applications. In fact, one of the things that aggravated me, infuriated me the most on 9-11 was I had testified before Congress four and a half years prior to the attacks of 9-11. May 20th, 1997, the House Immigration Subcommittee, chaired by Lamar Smith, 
called me to testify about immigration fraud and visa fraud because of terror attacks carried out inside the U.S. in 93. This is an existential threat to America. And people will say, well, you know, they're going to prove that they're loyal. Think of Fort Hood. Think of this terrorist dirtbag who said that his goal was to kidnap soldiers and kill them. Please understand what we're talking about. Providing military training and providing terrorists and criminals with access to weapons and military bases. <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? What could possibly go wrong? So these, these are the issues that greatly concern me. I hope they greatly concern you and what we're looking at. We are looking at foolishness on the part of the Congress because they, they, there's this compunction to help people who are here illegally. You know, folks, we are most definitely a nation of immigrants. My mother came to America as a 14-year-old immigrant ahead of the Holocaust. Her mother couldn't get out of Poland. I was named for her mother, my grandmother. She was killed in Poland because we're Jews. We are a nation of immigrants. Uh, my first wife uh, passed away to cancer over 30 years ago, 31 years ago. Her parents were immigrants. Her brother was an immigrant. They, they, they survived the Holocaust. Her mother was in a concentration camp. I have no problem with lawful immigrants, provided the system has integrity. Big issue. And that's why when the Supreme Court said that they have a bona fide relationship, I was almost thinking, well, perhaps they're concerned about people who will lie about their relationships. It was interesting that they used the word bona fide relationship. In fact, when I used to do marriage fraud investigations as an agent, we used to call them bona fides investigations. You were investigating the bona fides of their claim that they were married to Americans. Supreme Court is wrong. There should be no caveats. There should be no restrictions placed on the president's authority to determine what aliens can and cannot be admitted into the United States. But certainly, I have no problem with a legal immigration system that puts Americans first and that has integrity. But here's the point. While we are a nation of immigrants, we are not a nation of trespassers. Aliens who run the borders trespass. If someone comes to the front door and knocks on the door, you let them in, we call them a house guest. When they climb through your bedroom window in the middle of the night, we call them trespassers. We call them burglars. We certainly don't say companies here. Those military bases are critical infrastructure. And they involve national security. Why on earth we would permit illegal aliens to have access to those bases? And please don't tell me they're going to do background investigations. These are people who have no documents. They're undocumented. If we couldn't figure out that these terrorists who became naturalized citizens were involved with terrorism, how the hell are you going to know who a terrorist is when they claim to be illegal aliens with no documentation? I promise you there would be no way of knowing, and I promise you there would be severe consequences, and then we're stuck. You can't unring that bell. You can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. Uh, as they say, let's look before we leap. Please contact your elected members of Congress. Go to frontpagemag.com, capsweb.org, Newsmax, the social contract. Make it easy. Go to michaelcutler.net. Check out my articles, and then please forward them to your friends and neighbors and ask them to do the same. Become part of my bucket brigade of truth and make certain to then forward it 
to all of the elected representatives that you can, and please ask them to not make a terrible mistake. Some of these folks are probably very well-intentioned, but let's never forget that the road to hell is paved with good intentions. I want to thank you for spending uh, Friday with me this past hour. It goes quickly. hope it goes quickly for you. Uh, it's hard to get all that information out there in so short a period of time. I always feel as though I'm trying to cram 25 pounds of stuff into a uh, five-pound bag. Goodness gracious, it's a tough job, but someone's got to do it. I wish all of you and your families a very happy 4th of July weekend. Stay safe. Enjoy yourself. Come join me again next week right here on the Michael Cutler Hour. And please remember, folks, democracy is not a spectator sport. See you next week.